All right, guys. Well, we will go ahead and get going this morning. So welcome. Um, This is our real estate investing show. We have it every Wednesday, and it's kind of our real estate 101 foundations type of piece. Um, So I see some new faces. Welcome. Um, And I do apologize, like I was mentioning earlier, my camera, um, I have to leave off today for internet issues. And so with that being said, I do want to remind folks, we do record these calls um, and host them on our Wistia channel, which allows you to go back and rewatch them or if you want to share them with someone else. So with that being said, if you don't feel comfortable, you can turn your camera off you can change your name whatever make you feel feel welcome um and so for the format today what we're gonna do is a little different we're gonna have our initial breakout group like we typically do it's gonna be really just geared towards networking um letting you guys connect with one another i know we've gotten a lot of feedback that you guys are really enjoying those those 10 minutes to be able just to see how everybody's doing um and so after that breakout group we'll roll i'll hand off the floor to ron and ron you want to give us a little preview of what we're chatting about today yes doom Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, the name of my uh, the name of my uh, slide deck this morning is called Red, and and basically, I'm gonna try and go over what's been happening over the last month since I've last seen everybody last, which was about three weeks, and uh, what's changed, and um, kind of a little philosophical outlook I have on uh, on on what's going on with investing right now, and. Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 super interesting. It's uh, like I said, it's a bit philosophical, and there's a lot of numbers, but there's a reason I'm calling it red. Okay, I'm at full screen. Boom. Yes. Yep. Like, like a pro. Hey, yeah, y'all don't need to look at me. You need to look at that. Uh, I'm glad everybody's here today. Um, if, as you may have heard, a few of us have been having internet problems down across the United States. So if I pop out, I go ahead and apologize and I'll, uh, I'll come back in at another time. But let me go through what I'm, I'm talking about today. As you may have heard a little bit earlier, um, my talk today is red. And I will show you why in a second. And this is kind of more of a philosophical talk about the markets. And, and what I'm going to try and do is give you all some some lateral thinking and some some things to think about. And if you've seen me before, you know I kind of like to go over numbers and unusual numbers and unusual things I see. And I'm going to do that today. And um, and any of you who own stocks or bonds this year know that your portfolio possibly is in the red. Uh, real estate's done good unless you have ETFs. Then the last month or so, they're in the red. But like I said, I kind of wanted to make a point about not counting on things the way we used to count on them. Uh, there's a company that I love, um, and it's, it's called Palantir, and they do a lot of artificial intelligence. They do it for the government. I ran across them in healthcare, and what they—they're um, really probably the most sophisticated artificial intelligence company around. And their CEO, well, one of their owners is Peter Thiel, who you may have heard of. He's kind of like the other Elon Musk. But anyway, their CEO is a guy named Alex Karp, who's a certified genius. And they had their shareholder call the other day when they announced earnings. And earnings weren't particularly all that good. But uh, the guy's a really deep thinker. And I wanted to show you what, what he said. He's like, over the course, you know, we've been involved in many of the we being Palantir have been involved in many of the most important things that have affected Western society. The reason he said that is Palantir provides a ton of real-time AI to armed forces. Um, 
And so they have access to a lot of information. He says, but what makes these times special is the trends that they thought were going to happen are now happening at an accelerating rate. And what's super interesting is why the broader world doesn't want to see it. You know, everybody is sort of not paying attention when it may be obvious. So the world is so late in recognizing how these things are accelerating, what's happening. And he blames it all, obviously, on, he says, what is the genesis of the escapism that our broader institutions, financial, cultural, legal, technical, why are they escaping to the metaverse or Netflix or the faculty lounge or video games or other political structures rather than, than facing reality, uh, which, is, which is sort of right in front of us? Honestly, why are we unable to see the violence that they feel based on their numbers isn't episodic, but it's gonna, but it's gonna keep occurring. So why do we describe these things when we talk about them with uncertainty, when in fact they're quite possibly reality-based and certain? And our institutions are kind of sticking their heads in the sand. That's one thing I worry a lot about is because if you don't have institutions, if people don't have faith in institutions then the system starts to erode and people I believe are beginning to lose faith in institutions, institutions like the fed or wall street, things like that, that, you know, the healthcare in some instances, people are the, the concept of the, of the, of trusting in institutions is kind of going away. And um, anyway, he, he sort of says that, it's almost like a theological structure that we have where we think everything is always going to be all right. We presuppose that the world will always be stable. But what if it's not? If you look around, um, we have supply chain problems because of the war. Uh, he says outright there's going to be food shortages, and they probably should know because his company runs the supply chain for a lot of large food companies, uh, real in time or just-in-time um, uh, food chains. He's like, you can no longer get certain resources from certain countries. I was talking to a friend of mine who works at a car factory and, and was like, we can't get a hold of the cabling that you use to make uh, seatbelts with. So it's holding up cars. Or another friend of mine builds semis and they couldn't get one chip. And uh, they had to shut down the line and lay off 500 people because of one $20 chip they couldn't get. Um, people, institutions in general have not made a plan for what is expected to have happened. It's almost like black swan events. A black swan event is something that can never happen until it does. And it's, it, it's sort of like we haven't really prepared uh, for it. And he, he finishes by saying the future is to be won by people who accept the reality of what is and what not ought to be. And I agree with that totally. I think we live in a world, he said earlier, of a lot of escapism and a lot of ought to be-ism. And you can only change outcomes by accepting reality, accepting what is. Uh, for instance, this slide is the slide of Netflix. I like to show this slide. I've shown it before. Uh, at the beginning of the year, Netflix over there on the right was about $700. Now this morning, I think it's 180. You know, it was, that was impossible for it to happen until it did. And in fact, you can't see it on the bottom of the graph because I made a bad graph, 
But if you had put money into Netflix in 2017, as of today, you hadn't made a single dollar. It's all been taken back. People don't think that that can happen. And in the context of investing, I always tell people, I'll just throw this in, that when they make, if they're buying a stock, you make two trades. You, you buy the stock and then you put in a sell order a little bit underneath it. And you can also have what's called a trailing stop, which sort of follows it on the way up. But if there's a, a large decrease, it'll, it'll sell the stock if you're not uh, paying attention. A lot of the biggest investors in the world, BlackRock is the biggest investor in the world, uh, are being um, are turning bearish and hedge funds are, a lot of hedge funds are outright collapsing. There's one that I can't remember, I think her name's Kathy Wood, very famous hedge fund manager. Um, she's down like 70% over the last year. Like things that can't happen are happening. That chart right in front of you is diesel. Diesel was selling in my hometown yesterday for $6.30. That could never happen, but it is happening. And that, that affects, diesel affects the price of literally everything. The way that stuff gets to manufacturers is usually diesel-based. And then the way it gets to your Walmart is diesel-based. And so the price of diesel going parabolic is going to affect everything. And we we kind of haven't, prepared for it. And I guess really overall, the theme of what I'm talking about today is preparation and being able to to tell yourself that, you know, things that can't happen can. In the United States, you would never think that it's, it, could, it could be where parents are driving around for hours trying to find uh, baby food, trying to find formula, Similac, right? The shelves are empty. And you would never think that kind of thing could happen in the United States, but tell, tell that to somebody with a newborn child right now. It's actually occurring right now. So, and this, this is a chart of uh, a recent uh, mortgage rates. The mortgage rate now is, uh, that's a, as of this morning, I got it from Freddie Mac. Uh, the mortgage rate is, is 5.27 on a, a fixed rate 30 year. Uh, and you can see the turn up at the beginning of the year. What fascinates me about that is the Fed told everybody for months and months, we're going to raise, we're going to raise, we're going to raise. And then everybody acted surprised when, when they finally did raise. And the raise in rates, the rise in rates, uh, not only is affecting uh, the housing market, but it's part of the reason why if you have a bond fund, your bond fund is probably down 15 to 20% this year. This is 10 years worth of mortgage rates. We're all the way over at the right. So you can sort of, in your head, make an, an average of, of where they are. And then this, I believe, yeah, this is 20 years of mortgage rates. And what I found interesting about this graph uh, is if you look at that dark area right there around July 09, that's the 08 recession. And so if you're of the mind, we had negative GDP growth at the beginning, the first quarter of this year, which may be indicative of a recession. If you're of the mind that we're in a recession, was well, sort of valuable to know where rates were in the last recession. And you can see they hovered, these are mortgage rates. You can see they hovered between uh, 5% and about 6.5%. So it's always good to look back at a similar instance to see what might occur in the future. In other words, 
we may have a little bit more room to run on on rates going up. Uh, some of y'all may have noticed that one of the only bright spots in the world of investing is the fact that uh, the dollar has been going up. <clears throat> the dollar has really been rallying. The euro has been going down. Uh, those of you that own crypto uh, know what's happening there. Uh, last time I looked, it was like 29,000 this morning. And, you know, it, it, it got up. They got up pretty high and it's, it's at 29,000. Now what's going on is sort of a, uh, it's being driven down by a lot of traders right now, but the fact is it's still down. And what's interesting to me is Bitcoin was supposed to not be correlated to the overall market in general, but Bitcoin is almost perfectly correlated with the tech market over the last uh, year or so. It's not supposed to be. But it, uh, but it is. And those of y'all that own Bitcoin or Ethereum, I used to have an opinion on, on holding those things, but I don't anymore because I just honestly don't know what's going to happen. However, I did want to point out that one of the few places that has been a safe haven, and, and I'm going to show you all this in a minute, over all investments has just been the U.S. dollar, has just been cash. Now, if you look at inflation, the inflation number came out this morning and it was a little bit higher than they thought it was going to be. So if you look at it in terms of real purchasing power, if you hold just dollars, you're probably still down, but you're not as down as certain other things. These are, uh, these are the currencies of other countries and you can versus, uh, versus the United States. And you can see that that's how our currency has rallied versus everybody else. They're all red. Um, we're not. So that's happy news. Um, in terms of, of equities over the last uh, year, uh, year on year, you can see that it's consumer staples, energy financials, gold, natural resources, some technology and utilities have really only been the, the, the bright marks. And if you think about that in an overall way, some of you have heard me talk about this before, uh, the stuff that's up is the stuff you need to live. Um, you, you don't need an iPad to live, although my daughter would argue. Uh, you don't need an iPad to live, but you need these other things. You need utilities to live. You need natural resources. And those are the ones that have been rallying. And if, if you're looking for a measure of what the true inflation rate probably is, just divide those blue numbers at the very far end. Uh, all together and, you know, you'll see. Uh, fixed assets, uh, fixed returns over the last year, it's just a sea of red, except for floating rate bonds in the last week. But it's just, if in fixed income, you know, that used to be where safe money used to go. It's like, well, I'll put all my risky money in stocks, but I'll put the safe stuff in bonds. Well, that cannot be your assumption anymore. That shouldn't be your assumption anymore. Fixed income has turned out to be this year just as volatile as, as stocks have been. Uh, real estate still going up. So that's been a huge, huge, and I know y'all are real estate investors. That's been a huge, huge bright spot. Well, I say that, but I looked at Zillow the other day and they said over the last month, real estate is down like 1.7, but still, y'all know what I mean. It's pretty up. Uh, these are commodity returns over the last year. Uh, 
more blue you see there than you saw with uh, with bonds. So commodities have done quite well. Stuff stuff that you need has done really well. The brightest spot has been wheat, um, corn. Of corn's on this chart. Yeah, it is. Uh, corn has was well, slowed down a little bit in the past week or so, but corn's done great, and obviously oil has done great. And I believe, although I would not construe this to be investment advice, I believe oil is going higher. Um, there's one particular reason why I wanted to show this slide. These are currency returns versus the US dollar. And if you'll look uh, about three quarters of the way down, look at the only currency that in every time period is up versus the US dollar. It's really not the one you would expect to be up against the U.S. dollar, but it is. Uh, and I just thought I'd throw what's it the in there because. What's the baseline? Before this, the Russian ruble fell tremendously. So they had more. To this grow. is well, you see, it's per, at this day, week over week, month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year. If you look at the top. So those are those are the baseline numbers. So the longest number to the right is year over year. Anyway, um, as I like to do, I like to show my screens. These are year-to-date screens. Uh, these are essentially, um, there's Bitcoin down at the bottom. <clears throat> but these are essentially worldwide indexes and U.S. stock indexes. As I've said, it's been kind of a, uh, a, a bloodbath with that. The, the good points have been you know, commodities, most commodities, not all of them, but those have been the high spots. What's interesting is uh, commodities have actually been slipping back just a wee bit in the past week or two, right as institutional money has really been jumping into it. Uh, I find that curious. I don't know whether that means when when all the institutional money jumps into something, that may be a sign that it's going down. They used to say when a stock hit the cover of a Fortune magazine to uh, to short it because that was a sign of its of its top. Um, this is, this is as of, yeah, this is one day. I wanted to show you all this energy. Uh, this is one day returns. I found it notable that oats were up like uh, 2% just in the last day since yesterday. This is, this is from the futures market, but, um, and, and I'm going to show you all some weekly numbers. These are stock. Uh, so over the last, this performance over the last week. These are worldwide stock markets uh, over the last week. Uh, this is the the 10-year uh, Treasury note futures. And it's just been, uh, it's been getting mauled, but it's actually gotten a little bit of a reprieve in the, in the past few days. Uh, I didn't even notice it till today when I was looking at this chart at the very bottom, when you see the one-year, three-year, five-year, 10-year, um, especially if you look at the five-year, uh, I suppose you would get your coupon, but in terms of price, the 10-year has really kind of gone nowhere in five years. But the 10-year is the one thing I try and look at every day. Um, fixing to show y'all returns over the last month uh, since I've seen y'all last. Uh, equity markets in general are down about 10% since I've seen y'all last. These are specific parts of the equity market. There's technology, 
uh, utilities and consumer at the bottom. Consumer's not been hit so bad. And in fact, two days ago, it was interesting. Walmart was on one of the only stocks that was uh that was up. We see the financials. We see the energy was actually down a little bit uh, over the last month. Um, there's one slide I'm really wanting to get to. Oh, at the at the bottom, the ETF of natural resources. You can see commodity-based natural resources are down. Uh, the very bottom, you see uranium. Uranium was really on a tear, uh, but it's actually gone down a little bit in the last month. So. Everybody thinks commodities are still going up super high, but in the last few weeks, uh, maybe not. Um, these are bond funds. They've sort of settled down. As on that 10-year chart I've shown you, they've sort of settled down in the last week or so. Uh, the, here's real estate. All right, this is real estate ETFs over the last month since I've shown you, and they've gotten uh, they've gotten beaten up a little bit down, you know, anywhere from 13 to, to 15%. But you don't sort of hear about that. The one thing I wanted everybody to look at is all the way down at the bottom on this chart, a four up from the bottom. Really one of the safest investments has been volatility, just investing in volatility. That's the, uh, you see the ProShares Ultra VIX short term is up 30% over the last month. That's just a bet on how volatile the market's going to be. And so if you were betting that the market was going to be volatile, then you win. And um, that's one of the things I actually sort of trade a lot in is I like to trade volatility, but that's just me. But going back to what Alec Karp said, he said the future is going to be won by people who accept the reality of what is and what ought not to be. And you can only accept things if you realize the way things are. And the reason I, I'm going back to this is I had someone talking to me the other day and they're like, well, you know, the stock market will always go back up or they couldn't even believe me when I told them how much the bond market had gone down until they looked at their statement and called me back. And I just think as we go ahead, I think the I'm old enough to have been, I think I was 25 in 1987, and I was on a trading floor when, when the market crashed. And I'm not saying the market's going to crash, but there was a certain feel around that time. Uh, that was around the time, most of y'all are probably too young to remember it, that uh, the Iran-Contra scandal was going on. So uh, Reagan was losing a lot of, of prestige, was losing a lot of authority was losing a lot of faith and the United States was losing a lot of faith. And that's, I guess, my main thing that I worry about uh, these days is I want people to look around at the institutions and, you know, see which ones are still worthy of our, worthy of our faith, but in particular, pay attention to the erosion of faith and take that into account in your investment decisions. There's a startling piece of video from earlier today at the, uh, the EU's meeting in Brussels. Uh, there's a young man, looks to be about 20 years old. And, you know, the, the full body of the EU is there. All the representatives or delegates are in there. And the young man gets up to speak. And all he does is scream as loud as he can for almost 20 seconds. He just sits there at the podium and screams. 
And then aside from that being startling, after that, everybody in the audience claps for him. And I found that to be really weird that, you know, the largest institution in Europe, the EU, uh, all the delegates take somebody screaming for 20 seconds, seriously. So as an institution, eh, I happen to think, if I had to give you an opinion, that, that Europe is in, of every part of the world, even though China's in big time lockdown, of every part of the world, the one that's in the most trouble is, um, is Europe for a lot of reasons. One is energy, but B, I think, uh, I think the, the people that are in charge over there, a lot of them might not be completely serious people. And, and, that, and that worries me. So the point of what I wanted to talk to you all today, obviously my talk was, was read, was to make you all aware of the overall economic conditions, but also have you, when you're, have, factor those into your investment thinking, but also factor in uh, faith, your, your perceived faith in, in the institutions around us because that has a direct bearing on how uh, financial instruments perform. If people don't have faith in the Fed, for instance, that hadn't happened, well, some people it has, but it hadn't yet. But if people lost faith in the Fed, that would be a bad thing. So just pay, pay attention to, uh, to institutional faith and people that take things seriously. I'll give you all another just small indicator and then I'll take some questions. Um, I made notes of things that were kind of bugging me. And um, every single um, item in Walgreens in San Francisco is under lock and key. All of it. If you're in a Walgreens in San Francisco, it doesn't, if it's a toothbrush, it's under lock and key. And about 120 years ago, the first supermarket, by the way, was a Piggly Wiggly. I don't know if y'all have supermarkets. But it used to be when you, in a supermarket, you would tell people what you wanted and they gave it to you from behind the shelves. Piggly Wiggly was the first one where you could, where you could, you know, wander down the aisles and get stuff. And it was because people had a, a sort of baseline level of trust. And, um, and, that, and, and I worry that that trust may be eroding a bit between people and, and in institutions and, Please bear that in mind when you're making um, financial decisions. And I'll take questions now. I know that wasn't the happiest speech in the whole world, but, um, you know, sometimes it's my job to tell people stuff that might be uncomfortable. Anyway, I will uh, take questions now. <laughs> 